For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. Welcome back to the Dominion Podcast, episode 28. I am uh, your, you know, I'm, I think I'm going to be the alpha host today. You got I've just that. been doing such a good job. I you think I need a promotion. I didn't know it was up for grabs. I thought that was <laughs> like an established position. No, I just unilaterally promoted myself. That's okay. an alpha move. Huh. <laughs> exactly. See, you know, it's, you know, it's what, and that was Alex talking there. So yeah, it's me, Jeremy Boyd, and I'm here with, uh, Alex, the dejected former alpha. Oh yeah. The new beta. And of course, and just the quite content, uh, what Delta gamma gamma somewhere down Epsilon. below the Greek alpha. Guys, we need more bureaucracy. That's the problem. The system's right. breaking down. That's right. We need more order. Um, less efficiency. More minutes. More minutes. <laughs> we need Where's do, Meg when we need her? Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. We need to do a podcast on beta males someday. That's not a bad idea. That's yeah. not a bad idea. I, Are there males after that, or is it just the two categories? The alpha and the beta. There's alpha and there's beta. Yeah. I'm sure in nature there's all sorts of different types, but I don't think they would know the Greek alphabet, so they would probably just, they got a pecking order, right? Or a chomping order, if you're wolves. Right, I'm just, I'm thinking, (laughs) is is there something worse than a beta male? Like, can you get lower than that? You could be a a simp. That's a new word I've heard. What is that, a simp? A simp. Ah, It's just like, it's just a really, really beta guy, you know? (laughs) Well, that probably comes from simpering, which kind of means like, that's bedraggled and That's probably it. Malnourished. Here I was thinking it was just an internet slang word, and uh, nope, huh. the internet actually came up that with seems something appropriate. legitimate Same. there. Well, we're back, and uh, we are going to talk about the hot topic of the day. Uh, yeah, I wish we didn't have to keep talking about these hot topics, and we could do uh, you know, maybe some more edifying stuff, but uh, we're talking about vaccine mandates, passports, all, that, uh, all this new stuff that's entered into our vocabulary. And uh, yeah, I'm going to let Alex kick this off for us. Yeah, well, the, I, and I would say it is edifying. The reason it's edifying is because it is a um, a challenge and a crisis and a conflict that m- most people in our church are in. So it's not it's not picking some um, just some hot topic we found on the internet. It's it's one of the most invasive public policies, if not the most invasive public policy um, our country has ever seen. And by invasive, I mean um, people are losing their jobs. People can't go to school. Right. People are being uh, coerced into submitting to medical procedures. Um, so Christians need to think through what is our duty in in thinking through these coercive methods for ourselves but I would say what is our duty in advocating for others Hmm. and uh, vaccine passports are a uh, uh, just a wicked policy they're unbiblical and they're evil Um, they are a moral inversion um, which we'll talk about Hmm. and uh, they pervert justice and they don't accomplish what what uh, they claim to accomplish right? as far as health and safety are concerned. Right. They are a total lie as well. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's a, a lot of, I mean, I personally as a pastor had so many people reach out to me to advise them, to counsel them, to pray for them, to write a religious exemption letter. Um, some people have the privilege of not having to be confronted with this. You may work for 
your own company, um, you know, or your your company's not going through. I mean, most businesses at this point are, uh, but the majority of Canadians and certainly a lot of people in our circles are having to wrestle with these things, but not because we're deciding to focus on, you know, these things, but because it's being forced upon us. Right. So the first thing I want, I before we talk about the actual vaccine passport, um, which is, I should clarify for anyone who's lived under a rock and, um, yeah, this is uh, a Canadian policy. We're this talking is a about Canadian here, yeah. policy. They've, they've <clears throat> been discussed. They, I believe they've implemented it to a degree in the United States as well. Um, but in Canada, what it is is a coercive means of uh, getting people to get a vaccine. And that is the stated purpose of them as well. Uh, that's not yeah. even a veiled, um, it's not a veiled attempt to do that. It's It's not a... It's it's not an inference that I am drawing from. Right. Although yeah. you can tell when it's you one look of at the stated it, goals. it's a stated goal. Yeah. yeah, is to get more people to get vaccinated. Yeah, the, the way they're getting them to do that is by um, making vaccination a requirement of employment and schooling, right? As well as um, attending non-essential businesses. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go to a restaurant, if you want to go to a gym. Uh, various things you need to show proof of vaccination. Right. And a lot of businesses are going beyond the legis well, it's not even legislation. They're going beyond the regulations. Yes. Right. Which is uh, not something the government's asked people to do, but I think there's just a, uh, a fear there. So for instance, I work for a company that deals, we have a lot of service technicians that go into businesses to do work. And uh, the first day that the mandates passports went into effect, a number of our technicians were refused entry into locations to do work. But there's nothing in the regulations mm-hmm. that say, in fact, there's an explicit exemption for people going in to do work. So we're also seeing businesses going above and beyond. Uh, right, which we've seen right from the beginning. <clears throat> yeah. Masks and right. uh, endless sanitization and inversion of, invasion of privacy. Yeah, it's, it's all about the uh, signaling that you are COVID aware, right? Yeah, in, in exhaustive ways. It's like yeah, it'd be a shame if something were to happen to your business. Yeah. No, no, we're good. We're doing all the stuff. Yeah. So I wanted to step back from this particular right. policy before we get into it because um, I believe that a lot of people, including the majority of Christians in this country, um, not because I've spoken with all of them, but because this is what I've read from a lot of them. And the fact is a lot of Christians have shown through their actions or inactions that they would affirm this argument. Um, I'm going to, I want to talk about the argument that people have made up to this point for obeying the government. And I want to consider this argument and show how um, it is perfectly consistent for the government now to be implementing an even more invasive and restrictive policy that violates, uh, you know, in a more obvious way, people's dignity um, and rights, um, it's entirely consistent based on the argument Christians have been using this whole time to go along with that. Right, right. And we shouldn't do that. So if you were to talk to, you know, a lot of Christians in Canada, they'd say something like, you know, all matters of public safety are the exclusive responsibility of the state over which they do have authority. So, 
you know, no, they can't tell me what songs to sing, sing. They can't regulate worship, but God has given them uh, total or absolute or the highest authority over issues related to public safety. And because COVID is a matter of public safety, they have the, we have to submit to what they say. Um, God has also told us um, uh, that we ought to submit to the government. Right. So if you put these things together, if God has said the government's responsible for public safety and God has told us to submit to the government, then if they say it's a matter of public safety, then we ought to do what they say. And um, this should be, it should be obvious, and it's sad that it hasn't been, that this is a really bad idea on yeah. several grounds. Uh, you know, for one, um, if we if we kind of dissect this and pick this apart, nowhere in Scripture does God actually give the government sole or exclusive responsibility over public safety. Yeah. Uh, what we're told in Romans 13 and other texts is that the government has responsibility to bear the sword, to punish evil, and to reward the good. That's right. So they 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 and they alone have judicial responsibility. Uh, to punish evil, and Christ, that's why Christians don't. You know, we if someone does something wrong or criminal, we would call the police. That we wouldn't hold a trial in our church and convict someone and put them in church jail or something like that. We don't believe God has delegated that authority to the church. We don't believe God has delegated that authority to individuals. Mm-hmm. That He has ordained that that is the role of the state. A lot of Christians make the category mistake to take punish evil and reward good to mean anything related to the safety of its citizens. Or yeah. or on the flip side of that, anything that poses a risk to someone is the responsibility of the state to govern, regulate, legislate, you know, coerce type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um no, the Bible doesn't say that. It is a logical it, yeah. fallacy. Although we might say punish evil and reward good could fall under the umbrella of public safety, it doesn't mean that public safety is reduced to those things. Right. I mean, we have categories for like reckless endangerment. Yeah. Things like that. Like, yeah. Um, that would fall under that category of, of uh, punishing evil. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's and that's a situation where maybe you are recklessly endangering somebody's safety or their yeah. life. Yes. <clears throat> well, and and another huge danger is what is public safety? Right. And this is where you get into a huge problem. Um, well, especially if we let them define it, which and, they're doing right now, and they're and, doing that in Canada. So not just yeah. with COVID, but currently in the legislation, if you build, read through Bill C six and is it C thirteen? Um, speech, the the language they use surrounding our speech is safety and harm. Because Those words are yeah. used. Because we have this precedent now. Yeah, because yeah. our words are dangerous. Yeah. And so now, if that's true, then technically our words are a matter of public safety. And by technically, I mean technically and potentially legally. Yeah. yeah. And from what I'm told, that's inevitable. Well, it's already happening. But and when you, when you leave the, the anchor of definition... That's what you get. You just get yeah. these huge nets 
now now safety encompasses words and you know there's been discussion about lockdowns for for climate you know because that's a safety thing too right it, it it just when when you leave the the shore of of uh, of uh agreed upon definition that's come about from discussion uh well you're just in no man's land and and the and power ultimately gets determined yeah. definition yeah. now so the bible doesn't give the government authority over public safety that's such a that's a junk drawer term uh second it's like okay you what is there it's this illusion that there are matters that can be confined to public safety or um another way of putting it is I'll say this. Is there any human endeavor that does not in some way pose a risk to other people? Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And so if we say that the government has responsibility, exclusive or absolute authority over matters of public safety, which we are obligated by God to submit to, there is no human endeavor, none, under the sun, which they do not have rightful claim to. Not right, but because uh, parenting and yeah, teaching right. and, and friendship yeah. and working and driving and creating music and anything yeah. that you can think of in some mm-hmm. way poses a risk. To but other they people. would never take it that far. I mean, you hear this argument, right? right. It's like it's like there's this assumption that we all have this uh, line in the sand that we're not going to cross. Yes. But we've seen very rapidly how the line keeps moving and getting pushed back. But even but even that is okay. So you're changing your principles now. Yeah. So now you're now you need to admit you're like whoa 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 whoa. We not not all matters of public safety. Yeah. It's only ones Based that are, on cer- are a, a, a certain threshold of risk. Okay, let's talk about that. Cool. Yeah. Let's use that principle then. Precisely, where is the risk threshold? Precisely. Yeah. Precisely where is that point which it's my responsibility and my authority to govern the risks that I take yeah. and it's morally wrong for you to impose on me and precisely where does that get inverted to it's actually your responsibility mm-hmm. and your authority to impose on me restrictions so that I don't pose a risk from someone. Exactly what is that and how do we measure that exactly? You might be surprised, but I haven't heard anybody define that yet. No. And, no. No one, <laughs> and they never will. No, and, and the government hasn't even defined that. <clears throat> no, no. And, that's, and that's to their benefit, because then, oh, right, then you have some kind of line to hold them accountable yeah. with. Yeah. Right? So, what, so what is risk now? So well, now we're not even talking about hospitalizations or deaths, it's only cases. Yep. And, and even there, it's like, okay, but where are the risks with this? Well, Stats Canada released their data several weeks ago, and the average age in Canada is 86. Death from COVID, the yeah. average age in Canada is That's 86. higher than the average death. It's like, where is age the risk? Death. We need to help out that. But anyways, yeah. this idea that public safety is a responsibility of the government and that they have the right to, to mitigate all risk in society is an unbiblical mm. and actually a very harmful and very idolatrous idea. Yeah. Because only God has the capacity to do that right and, and and the reason we've been so susceptible to this is because we accepted this principle in smaller areas yes this for, is why for I'm so it up. long yes right? um we've let the government into so many little places yeah. yes 
uh, for so because long. Because of safety. Because of safety, whether it's workplace enforcement. Even on the cup of coffee you get at McDonald's, yep. where you got warning labels all over it not to burn your hands. Yeah. Like that's, yep. that's government... Uh, babying its citizens. Right? And, right. And, and we've been two, doing that for de- yes. for generations. Yes. And there's two major problems with this. And one is that actually God has left the um, responsibility for the safety of a culture up to a variety, up to everyone. Mm-hmm. And he's delegated specific responsibilities and corresponding authority to different groups. Individuals have a responsibility over how they govern themselves and how they relate to their neighbor. Families have a responsibility for their protection and provision for their spouse and children and how they relate to each other. Churches have a responsibility for the spiritual well-being and good of their people, which then impacts how they relate to their neighbors in culture. And government has a responsibility mm-hmm. in how they um, govern and exercise the sword in a judicial sense to protect and to punish right. and to restrain evil. And all of these groups that God has ordained ought to work together to mitigate risk and for the public good and safety. Right. The public safety, no one person or group has the capacity to deal with safety, right? Even if we granted that's a that's a category. Yeah. And this is the idolatry you're talking about. And right? this is the idolatry. And it's it's when we ascribe to a person or a group that which can only be ascribed to God. The government or the church or the family, whoever it is, cannot provide you with absolute safety. And that's the second presupposition people have accepted that it is possible to live risk-free and therefore there is a moral obligation to alleviate risks. But if you don't accept the first yeah. premise, if you acknowledge that the world is a dangerous place, that it is not possible to alleviate risk, then there's no category. But mm-hmm. this is the evil thing about the stay home, stay safe thing. If you can keep people safe, then you ought to. But this is a lie. Lockdowns are a great example of this. Look at in their attempt to stop one risk, yeah. one risk, at the exclusion of everything else. In Quebec, before 2025, over 8,000 people will die of cancer that didn't have to. In the UK, in the next five years, they think that 10,000 people will die from cancer that didn't have to and are as a re- direct consequence of the lockdown policies. That's only one one side effect. One side effect. There are others. There are more overdoses in many regions of this country than there are COVID deaths as a direct result to the hopelessness and despair and isolation that people have faced. 190 million people thrust into abject poverty around the globe. You want to talk about medical? How many people aren't getting their tetanus shots around the globe? Like the huge number of children are not getting the vaccines that are proven to be safe and helpful and have done a great good. They're not doing those anymore. So it's like you've, you've perpetuated this illusion, this godlike claim that I can keep everyone safe and you have failed completely and mm-hmm. you have caused great harm. And a part of that, it, the, 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 the danger is, as well is not just that we ascribe it to them, is that we, ad, we abdicate it. Yes. It's like, what if you have a responsibility over your life? What if the church has a responsibility over the people in its care? What if a family has responsibility over its children? I had someone message me today and say anecdotally, they their friend told them the story. They were at a um, they're at a, a 
somewhere where they, I think a shoppers or something. And the teenager in front had a, a, a reaction, a verse reaction. And, and they had to be carried out, so to speak. And the girl behind them, a young girl, teenager, I'm assuming over 12 because he need to be, didn't want to go through with it. And the mom's like, don't worry, it's totally okay. I, it's just, like, I just saw I just saw that person yeah. get carried away. And it's the, the cognitive dissonance, you know, and the abdication of a parental responsibility yep. and saying we can trust the God of the state. Caesar loves us and will only do good to us. I've heard so many people just say, uh, yeah, there are side effects and possibilities, but it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. And people, <laughs> we're not even weighing in on the, the <clears throat> look, you can make a decision to get this or not get this. Yeah. We're talking about the actual course of methods. So we can wrap this up, but we need to step back and say, look, if if you grant that any matter of public safety, the state has responsibility to do what they need to do, including use coercive means. Yeah, of course. Now, not only do they think they can shut your church down, they think they can tell you to get a medical procedure. That's perfectly consistent. Mm-hmm. And you've just been affirming that for 18 months. So we need to go back and say, this is why. When we talked about masks, when we talked about distancing and and regulating our worship, we weren't just being sticklers. We weren't just being, you know, unwilling to listen and to learn and to work with people. It said, if you grant this principle, this is where it goes. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's the first place to start. It's that this is wrong because um, vaccine passports... uh, deny the God-given responsibility and authority of individuals to make decisions concerning their own health. Yeah. And no, because those decisions may impact others does not mean that they can't make those decisions. That's collectivist thinking. And that is, that yeah. is antithetical to scripture. Um, it's, an, it's such a hypocrisy that these same people are still driving. Yeah. Where... Thousands of people every year die on the road from your decisions. And no one seems to think we should just all stop driving. Yeah. Right? Yeah, we're all willing to take that risk for the benefits that it brings. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the first step of the argument there. What what else? I mean, we've got um, sort of that overarching... Yeah, that's that's more issue. saying this is what people give as a justification for these things, and it's just totally bogus yeah. from the get go. And it betrays that we have uh, no, uh, we've lost the understanding of, of of specific spheres, and and when specific specific spheres of responsibility, and when you no longer have that, when you no longer what know what your responsibility is, then you're just willing to abdicate it to the the one with the the highest power or the most number, right? Yes. Um, another, so so we want to affirm as Christians that individuals, that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit and whatever else that means as image bearers of God, we have inherent dignity and worth. And as we've talked about Genesis 1 and 2, responsibility. Human individuals, and this is a, this is a fruit of Christianity and, and an understanding of the West for a long time, have inherent dignity and worth and corresponding responsibility and authority. Mm. 
And it is not the government's right or responsibility, and they do not possess authority to mandate medical procedures. And when you allow them to do that, you do something, you actually contradict the Bible's teaching about the nature of humanity. This is not a little thing. This is not like, it's a big problem because the vaccines are dangerous. No, no, no. It's even worse than that. It's a total dehumanization of people, a denial of their rights. Families have a responsibility, a primary responsibility over their children. This is a huge cultural war going on right now. The government doesn't believe that. No. The government, I heard someone say recently, public schools, we don't have public schools, we have state schools. Yeah. Like the public stopped being involved in the education of their children a long time ago. And this is this is one of the reasons it's hard to get through to people on this, especially believers, is because if you if you walk this out and push it into the corners, so to speak, every aspect of Canadian culture needs to change. Oh, yes. And it's it seems like such an overwhelming task. Yeah. Like I think about our, our unemployment system. I think about all these other things and how they're all infected with this statism where we yeah. look to the government as our as our father. It's an idolatry. It is. And it's like, well, you know, I'm owed a job. I'm owed a paycheck. And now there's this push. I don't know if you've seen the signs around town for yeah. basic, basic income basic now. Income, yeah. And it's like, this is, I mean, that's kind of what we have. But now it's a different certain. understanding of the world, as you're saying. Yeah. I, I have one on my street and I think about that every time. As if the problem in the world is that someone isn't giving you what you're owed. Yeah. Not the world is radically fallen for one or if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Yeah. The way that God is a ordained... Man doesn't provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. And the way that you get that is not by complaining or petitioning, as if the only barrier is someone saying yes or no. Yeah. It's the way that we get goods in this world is sweat. Yeah. That's how we get it. So it's not that there's not ever a need for employment, uh, you know, law changes and reform in these matters... But it's it's actually just a pagan view of the world, yeah. And you're right; it's a, it's a foundational thing. Um, there's other reasons as well. I mean, this has represented a massive shift in our understanding of what medical ethics are. Yes. So, informed consent uh, in the West has been a foundation of medical ethics at least since I don't know the actual history. But I know Nuremberg really enshrined this. Yeah. Because what happened is the Nazis um, did a bunch of medical procedures on people who were uh, marginalized. So the mentally uh, and physically impaired and gypsies and Jews and outcasts and children, you know, everything. And one of the follow-ups to that after the war was a, a declaration in the Nuremberg Code that you basically need human rights dictate informed consent. What that means is, as a responsible individual, I need to be informed about the risks and the benefits and the efficacy of the proposed medical Mm -hmm. treatment, and I need to give responsible consent. And it can't be under coercion. And and yes. If there's any coercion. Then it cannot be consent. Yeah. So there's two major things that prevent uh, informed consent right now. Informed consent does not exist in Ontario. No. And probably not most of the places in Canada for two reasons. One, anywhere that implements a coercive um, policy 
to to encourage medical procedures has immediately removed informed consent. Yeah. Um, we also don't have the free flow of information. From- and everything's been politicized. Right. Yeah. So the other thing is the College of Physicians and Surgeons has come out and threatened doctors yeah. publicly yeah. from speaking out against lockdowns. It's like, that's not a me- that is not your area. That is a public health thing that has to do with every facet of human existence. Yeah. Um, a novel political policy. Second, they're not allowed to talk about vaccines. And by that, it's like you can't question the political dogma surrounding them. Not the medical dogma. Not the, the medical political dogma. So what that means is when you go to your doctor and, and medical ethics requires them to inform you, you know in Ontario right now, as great as a person as you think they are, um, that they are being threatened. They would lose their job if they gave you the actual VAERS data. That is an inherent conflict of interest. If you knew, if you knew coming to me for counsel that Ben was behind a curtain with a gun pointed at me and I wasn't allowed to say certain things, would you trust my counsel? No. You might say, well, he's a good guy. Well, this, well, that. It doesn't matter. If I know that you are not allowed to say certain things, I can't trust what you're going to tell me. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, so it ruins informed consent, which Canadians don't realize the sacred bond of trust between a caregiver and a care receiver is something that is not normal in the world. And it is the fruit of Christ and Christian love and mercy and compassion and human dignity being fleshed out into the corners of our mm-hmm. culture. And it is just totally being eroded. Well, we don't believe in human dignity. No, that's, we don't. That's not a part of our worldview. No. You can't have human dignity no. when we all just crawled out of the slime and evolved from lower forms of life. Yeah. There's just no way to ground that there. Yeah. So that's that's going to go by the wayside. Yeah. Even though we all know intuitively that's incorrect. Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah, just... look, when people are like scared to go to the hospital, yeah. like that's a problem. Oh, it's a big problem. Like I've talked to several yeah. people. It's just like wanting to get something checked out but being worried about going to your doctor or to the hospital mm-hmm. because uh yeah that 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 uh that established trust has has been destroyed well someone just told me this week they went in for an unrelated actually a broken bone and the doctor all of a sudden found out they're unvaccinated and was basically threatening them and shaming them mm-hmm. and saying that you know you're the reason that children you know, don't have ICU beds. It's like, oh, really? There's uh, 24-year-olds are filling up the ICU with COVID? No, you're a liar. That's actually not true. There are not 24-year-old healthy people in the intensive care units taking up beds. That is a blatant lie. Yeah. So medical ethics is going out the window. Informed consent does not exist. Um, and then you get to the level of, you know, the, this is just a political, uh, like, by their own reasoning, this is a political tool. Mm-hmm. So, you know, last, we just had this week, what was it, the Moderna one? The Ontario government now doesn't recommend for 18 to 24-year-olds. They recommend Pfizer. And on the one hand, I commend them for just being honest with evidence as they find it. Um, this is an emergency 
use vaccination, which means under normal circumstances, this would not be approved. Mm -hmm. For the bare fact that it has not faced su sufficient testing according to the normal procedures for vaccinations. And this is, this is just publicly stated. You won't read it in the media headlines, but that's what it is. Mm -hmm. 2023 is when they conclude one series of their testing. And I, I heard a stat on, um, I think it's the Canadian system for vaccinations. Yeah. yeah. If it, and there's the different thresholds of, of, of harm. If, if you get to this threshold, then they, they notify the patients. And if it gets to this threshold, they pull it. Like we're so far above those numbers. Yeah. I think it was like five deaths and they put a little scrolling ticker thing on the TV to let you know that, you know, Hey, the H1N1 vaccines killed five people or what, whatever. And then you yeah. get to 10 people. Like we're so far above uh, our old standard of, yeah. uh, of safety. Well, let's hold those numbers. We'll work our way down to that. Okay. But let's work with the principle that when something is an emergency use approval and they have not finished the trials that are the standard, the standard for releasing a vaccine, that's just, that's just irrefutable. They haven't done that. Um, that means that ethically, you are not able to coerce someone mm -hmm. to do to go through a uh, medical trial. You can't do that. So if it's wrong to make someone get a medical procedure um, without their consent, it's especially wrong to get someone to participate in a medical procedure that you can't, with any integrity, tell them the safety of which. Right. I know someone in my family whose doctor looked at them and said, so you're going to get this? And they're like, oh. Well, there hasn't been any studies on pregnant women. This is like this is a pregnant months ago. person. Yeah, months ago, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. There's no long-term data." It's like, what? What was that? Why did you just recommend me to get something? And this again, I'm not weighing in at this point on the safety or efficacy of it. I'm just simply saying nobody knows the long-term data right. of this, so we just need to be honest. Which mm -hmm. is why this week. One vaccine that they've been pushing on people, threatening them under the law to get, telling them is completely safe, running propaganda campaigns, taking down anything that questions it. They now come out and say it's not safe for 18 to 24 year olds and that you should instead get this one, Right, which is good that they do that. But that's why people are allowed to exercise um, their right of refusal. Yeah. Um anecdotally so i got a letter from work at the end of august saying that uh basically mandating vaccines for yeah. for employees and uh the so this came from our hr department it's a, yeah. it's a bit of a bigger company so we have an hr department and it said the vaccines uh have been proven to be safe and effective uh you know just which is a lie which well it's not it may it's not even a lie it's just Nobody can say that, like you said. Well, that's what I mean. It's yeah. a lie. Okay, yeah, it's a lie because you don't have the authority or the foreknowledge to, no. to know that that's no true. No one knows that. Yeah. Apart from and any side effects <laughs> whatsoever, it's like you can't say something no. is safe before it's done you testing and there's yeah. no long-term data. You can't say that. Yeah. And it just contradicts the, the principles by which science operates. Yes. I mean, uh, science is about testing and improving method and making mistakes and admitting you were wrong, the narrative the past two years has been ascribing uh, infallibility, essentially, to science. 
something re- that never claims. It has never claimed no. for itself. And it's a religious it fanaticism. It is. It is. It's it's not actually science. There's no share. There's no features with the true pursuit of knowledge based on evidence and yeah, testing. And, and no and wonder. And no wonder. So many people are having questions about it. You know, when you suddenly say that you're you're presuming that science functions this way, it never yeah. has before. It's not starting now. No. Um, so people speak of it as if it's some type of monolithic um, thing, like the immutable. science says. Yeah. You look here in the book, and there's only here. one. There's only one thing. It's not millions of people studying something and coming to varying conclusions. Yeah, and maybe refining. Well, and that's how you arrive at good science. Yeah. Yes, you 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 sharpen certain conclusions against other conclusions and hypotheses, and you gradually, hopefully, come closer to a right, right. answer. But that happens over time, and it happens with free inquiry and discussion. Yeah, it doesn't happen when one monolithic body just proclaims it to be so. No, it's a politicization of science. Yeah, it's not. It's not science. No, and it's a dangerous thing because that same um, exercise of power is being used to impose those findings, quote unquote, on people. So. These are all philosophical and ethical and theological reasons why vaccine passports just violate the Bible's teaching on so many things. It's an inversion of responsibility and authority, and it violates our—we haven't even talked about our laws. It's a violation of the Charter um, and all of these things. But the craziest thing is they're totally unnecessary by their own standards. These vaccines do not provide immunity. They don't claim no to. one is claiming that. Yeah. The headlines are implying that, but no science is claiming, no evidence is proposing that these things provide lasting immunity. We now know definitively from worldwide data that the vaccines um, provide a measure of protection, depending on you know how generous you want to be, against severe outcomes. So... To be generous, the best you can say is the current vaccines provide a measure of protection. Is it the CDC or WHO changed um, the vac- the definition of vaccine? It's the WHO. The WHO from yeah. immunity to protection. They changed the definition. They changed the definition of herd immunity. They changed all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So now they're just saying a vaccine is protected. So they don't even need to provide you with what a vaccine and what everyone thinks it does is immunity. No, no. Now they think that te- the protection is actually quite limited after tw- less than 12 months, yeah. uh, which decay- is why they're talking... It decays fairly rapidly, yeah. So, okay, it provides um, severe outcome. That's okay. Uh, it does not prevent transmission. So we now know as well that you can have the vaccine and you actually can still catch it and you can still end up in ICU beds, mm-hmm. although it's a lower and possibility, you can and actually, you transmit it. And you can actually carry more of it in Way your more, body. like 200 times yeah. the viral load in your body. Th- this is not the disputed. No. These are not disputed facts. Um, so the only, the argument, a lot of people think, well, you need to get vaccinated because you protect other people. No, 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 no. That's one thing we know the vaccine doesn't do. Whatever it does do, uh, whatever effectiveness it has, it does not prevent viral load and viral transmission. It doesn't. Yeah. So then the ethical category of like, I'm doing it because I love my neighbor is totally out the window. There's no basis whatsoever for that. Um, 
And it's crazy how many people think this. And in a situation where somebody is very at risk, yeah, the vaccine could make sense, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we of can course. we yeah, can visualize uh, somebody who's in one of those high risk groups, multiple comorbidities, and, and it's for you. You're yeah. taking it for you, right? Yeah. Not for not for somebody else. You're taking yeah. it for yourself, and that's your right to choose that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I and and to be clear, like you're allowed to even make a stupid decision. You know what I mean? I might I might disagree with the risk reward of this thing, yeah. and you can still go do that because we're not in that person. Part shoes. of a free society. That's part of a free society. Yeah. I'm I should be allowed to take the risk because I know all of the data concerning the profile of who's a who's a risk of this. Eighty six is the average age of death in Canada, usually with three comorbidities, meaning they were going to die anyways of the condition that they are in. The average life expectancy in Canada is like eighty three. I know that the um, people below fifty who don't have comorbidities, you know, are not at risk of this thing. It doesn't mean that it's not potential, but the flu is way more serious for children than this is. This is just clear data yeah. on this thing. So I look at the risk profile of this disease and I can make a decision for myself. I just want to read, this is uh, from medical professionals in Alberta. So this is doctors, nurses, and medical professionals. This is what they wrote in opposition to these mandates. The mRNA vaccines have not been proven to prevent disease uptake nor disease transmission supported by the CDC's Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report, August 6, 2021 where it is stated, real-time RT-PCR CT values in specimens from 127 fully vaccinated patients were similar to those among 84 patients who were unvaccinated, not fully vaccinated, or whose vaccination status was unknown. Asymptomatic unvaccinated people have never been proven to be more infectious or transmit more disease than vaccinated individuals. The overall survival rate from COVID is approximately 99.7% and varies by age and underlying condition. The vaccine is showing weakened efficacy after only a few months. The Alberta Health Service's own data shows a current, currently approximately 25% of all new cases are in fully vaccinated patients. And over 18% of hospitalizations were also fully vaccinated with percentages increases as weeks go by. So your, your protection wanes. And people are still even going to the ICU. The United Kingdom and Israel, two highly vaccinated countries, have extremely high percentages of hospitalized patients being fully vaccinated. Israel Public Health Department recently estimated the efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine has fallen to 39% against the Delta variant. And another recent study from the Mayo Clinic had numbers at 42%. That's not very effective. Now, again, Make your decision if you want 35% efficacy and that's worth a few, whatever. Historically, scientific consensus has been the natural immunity is superior to vaccine immunity. Many healthcare workers are already COVID recovered and immune. And they're still not allowing for natural immunity mm -hmm. to be an exemption from this, mm -hmm. which should tell you it's political. Yeah. It's not based in evidence and science. As per the VAERS data, the U.S. Vaccine Injury Database, on, October, on August 27, 2021, at least 650,077 people in the U.S. have been injured and 13,911 people have died soon after the administration of the COVID vaccine. These numbers could be 10 to 100 times higher as a Harvard study showed only 1 to 10% of all adverse events are actually recorded. 
The Harvard study findings are corroborated by our experience and the vast majority of temporarily related adverse events are not being correlated and reported by healthcare workers. So here's another thing. Um, how can your doctor tell you the risks when they don't know the risks? Yeah. And we know, we know for sure in Canada, having spoken with, with doctors and nurses personally, personally I've done this, and listen to other doctors and nurses. Um, when you go to the hospital with an adverse reaction, almost there is a very small likelihood that that will be uh, tied to the vaccine. There's little to no effort being done to correlate these things together. Mm-hmm. So I had someone text me today that their wife's a nurse, and in the clinic that her friend works at, they've had seven adverse reactions this week myocarditis, several other things. You're not going to hear about them. They're not reporting them. And and people might say, well, there's no study. That's anecdotal. It's like, okay, there's a limit to anecdotal evidence, to be sure. Anecdotes doesn't mean wrong. (laughs) You can't say, talk to your doctor. How many people have told you this when you said something? Talk to a health professional. Go and talk to a health professional. So get anecdotal evidence from them. Uh, Yeah, so get anecdotal (laughs) evidence from them, but not get anecdotal. So I've talked to health professionals, and they're saying that in Canada, they are being threatened against speaking against vaccines. I've personally corresponded with a doctor in British Columbia. We have personally corresponded with him, who spoke out because um, he had patients die immediately after getting it, and half of his work was taken away. He's no longer able to work and emerge. So how am I supposed to trust that you are going to be honest with me about the risks yeah. when I know you're not allowed to be and they're not collecting data the way they should be? Yeah, And you we've can't. seen the pattern of lies. We've seen the uh, ostrac- not ostracization, uh, ost- ostracization of professionals who have yeah. gone against the narrative. Yeah. It's like that just, I mean, that tells you almost all you need to know. Yeah. When there's no free inquiry by the actual professionals, when they're not allowed to question it. Yeah then we know we're in a political situation. Yeah. And so why would I trust that they're going to catalog those VAERS numbers correctly? Yeah. Especially when our numbers are like significantly lower than other places. It's like there wouldn't be that much of a discrepancy unless we were actually under uh, reporting those yeah. numbers. Yeah. yeah, they're not reporting them the way they are. And so let's maybe we'll wrap it up on this with yeah. the church. Um, we made an announcement this week, but it is, just to be clear, it is... Um, Churches who implement vaccine passports stand condemned. Mm-hmm. And they stand condemned because that is exactly what Paul told Peter when he practiced partiality and when he wouldn't um, identify, when he wouldn't uh, eat with the Gentiles. Paul says he opposed him to his face for practicing hypocrisy, yep. for preaching one thing and practicing another. And it is antithetical to the gospel to divide your church between vaccinated and unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. And it is an opposition to the gospel to prevent people based on medical status, uh, healthy people, yeah. from uh, getting, whether or not they're going to get a vaccination and from attending your church. That yeah. is, a church that does that um, well, they're they, standing condemned. Yeah, they've turned it into a sin issue at that point. It's not a conscience yeah. issue. So if they say it's you have to do this to attend, yeah, then you're saying if we don't do that, yeah, uh, it's it's sin, and we're not. We, it, basically, it's an excommunication for not 
yeah. uh, following you know, yeah. the guidelines, right? Yeah, you, you are not allowed to prevent people from attending worship who God allows. Yeah. And if you want to make the biblical case that God doesn't allow unvaccinated people to come to your worship service, one, it's just, it's bigotry, but it's also just the height of privilege. It's like, oh, so the level of threat that an unvaccinated person is to your church prohibits them from coming to church. That basically means like the majority of the world's population is not allowed by God to attend corporate worship because they don't have the medical care and the access to medical care that you have and the conditions that they meet in are inherently risky and dangerous and the diseases that they're all exposed to and therefore capable of transmitting in corporate worship. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like the ultimate like suburban privilege uh, in the church right now. But it is, yeah, vaccine passports in the church are a functional denial of the gospel. It doesn't mean that there aren't Christians like Peter who aren't walking in hypocrisy, but they need to be told to repent. Yeah. And we need and the reason we're talking about this now is because like everything else, if we don't say right here, we're not going any further. It's just the next thing. It's yeah. the next thing. It's and, the next thing. And you know, this isn't hasn't been mandated on us here in Ontario yet, but I know in New Brunswick, uh places of worship are being told by the government they have to put yeah. this in place. So it's coming. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of time, right? Yeah. All right. Ben, you got any last words? No. Do you have anything uplifting for us? Uh, not at the ready. Okay. I'll, I'll have something for next time, maybe. Well, I repent of calling this an unedifying discussion at the beginning. Um, <laughs> it has been edifying. It's just also sobering to yeah. to think of these things. And, and when you put it all in perspective like that, it really uh, should should harden our, our resolve. So, mm-hmm. And the church, well, let's, let's end with this encouragement. The church is an amazing opportunity to shine like a city on a hill. That we can be a place that isn't gripped by fear, that isn't authoritarian, that loves and welcomes our neighbors, that doesn't treat our neighbors as threats and diseases and moral reprobates for being a risk. You know, we can actually be a place of safety, like Jesus said, the mustard seed that grows into a tree that the birds of the air find refuge. That should be the church. And as our world descends into more hate and bigotry, uh, the church is this beautiful bastion of truth and goodness and beauty and freedom. And I think I think this is a great opportunity for the church. So let's we ought to be that. Amen. Well we'll leave it at that and we will see you next time on the Dominion Podcast. <laughs>